0: I can't wait for us to dive into the role of the manager. I think we've talked about the manager's part of the employee experience a number of times, but never focused on it in the context of the learning journey. But Kristen, I love the fact that you bring an academic and practitioner perspective. So I, I, I'd love to start out by just quickly chatting about your background. Would you mind sharing? Your, your two worlds.
1: Yes, no problem. Um, first, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so my background is that for uh, 22, almost 23 years, I've been an adjunct professor in uh, HR management, in business psychology, and in applied psychology. And then I also manage a an L&D um, function for a large financial services company.
0: Awesome, and I'm gonna just jump straight into it. You and I had discussed how translatable is this knowledge from the world of academia to organizations um, in in your case and and in general from how you see it. So just kind of share maybe the good, the bad, and, and, and if there is the ugly of how to translate it.
1: Great. Yeah, so the good, I think, is that a lot of the research that has been done, so specifically one of my favorite books is from Jeffrey Pfeffer. It's called Leadership BS. You know, in in that book, I think he does a really excellent job of doing some meta-analysis of leadership work and, you know, common concepts like bring your authentic self to work. You know, what does that actually mean? You know he's he's been able to you know look at that research over a period of time and has figured out you know actually what we probably don't want is to bring, uh, for people to bring their authentic selves to work. You know what he said is that instead what you want people to bring is their best professional self essentially to work. And so I think sometimes, you know, in the workplace, you know, we say these things like bring your authentic self to work, you know, what does that actually mean? And that's actually not a good thing. You know, I've had experiences where we've taught that at at prior organizations. And then what we had were a lot of people going around just giving each other brain dumps of what was going on that was neither positive nor helpful. So I think that that can be really helpful. However, I do think that a lot of academic work struggles with the transferability, you know, making sure that what we are teaching in the academic setting is directly applicable to someone's life. So, you know, the bad is that sometimes we present theories, we present models, we present um, frameworks, and we don't always teach people um, how to actually, you know, implement those, or we don't teach them what to do with it. You know, a, a classic example of that is there's a, a framework from the 1960s called equity theory, and equity theory just basically says, as a worker, I'm pu- I'm weighing what I put into my job, I'm weighing what I get out of the job, and I'm motivated to do something if there is a lack of balance. And you know what I frequently have heard from my students is, "Uh huh, yeah, know that." What do I do with it? Of course everyone's weighing what they you know put in what they get out but then what do you actually do with a theory like that?
0: and, and I can also imagine in the world of business especially as the conversation moves to the operational side of the business uh, the idea of you know tell me more about neuroscience tell me more about how the brain works tell me more theories or formulas that's not where it's at. What they're most focused on is the practical applications. It's what what do you need me to do? How do I accomplish reaching my business goals? And And I can imagine there's this wealth of knowledge that exists in academia, but how do you distill it down? How do you translate it in a way that is relatable to the operational leaders? Do you see the same?
1: Very much so. Very much so. For example, you know, going back to that equity theory, equity theory teaches us a lot. It tells us exactly what as adults do we, you know, prize, what motivates us. What it doesn't do, though, for a lot of managers, for example, I have a lot of managers that I, I teach as an adjunct, it doesn't teach them, okay, now how do I actually, you know, put together a, t- a talent pipeline? How do I conduct a talent review meeting? How do I make sure that, you know, my employees are learning and doing what they're supposed to be doing? So, yeah, it's that there's a bit of a gap there.
0: Makes sense. And, and you and I talked about, you know, goals and you know in this podcast uh, as we think about the future of people initiatives we always contextualize it to the goals. so this is an operations friendly this is not a discussion in the silo so how do you how do you think about the goals of the efforts and what goals specifically can we keep in mind as we continue our conversation today
1: yeah i think when it comes to goal setting a lot of associates in the workplace don't actually understand what is their line of business or what is their organization trying to accomplish? Um, you know, at many organizations I've worked at, we don't share the secret sauce with people until they become a certain level, you know, a senior leader, a VP, whatever title you want to insert there. And then all of a sudden they're exposed to this secret sauce. And I think the struggle for people like me who, you know, my my job is to develop leaders is, is getting them to understand What is in that secret sauce? You know, so we oftentimes see at many organizations. We'll hire people in or we'll develop them to a supervisor level. You know, they get to manage people. They get to manage some tasks. What we don't do then is get them ready for the next level. We don't get them ready to understand, you know, what is the actual cost of doing business? What is the cost per unit? What is all of the effort involved in workforce planning? Very, very few people do any kind of workforce planning as part of their business planning. That's usually reserved for extremely high level senior leaders like the top of the house. And so what's happening then is that they'll look around and say, "Okay, I need a equivalent of a VP level person and I don't have those skills on my team. I need to go hire externally. And that's a real miss for a lot of organizations because, you know, now you've essentially cut career paths. And you've also, you know, caused a lot of uh, lack of motivation within the associate population.
0: And there's the cost of buying the talent.
1: Absolutely. So then you bring in someone from the external who you now need to upskill them on potentially your business if, if it's, you know, an industry agnostic position. But you also then need to get them enculturated. What does my culture look like? What do we value? What are the stories here? And for for a lot of leaders, that's not a quick or an easy process.
0: But let's hone in as, as that as a goal, which are promotions. How do you take the leaders from the level that you described as a supervisor and how do you go beyond that? Because that is uh it's it's good for business, it's it's good for the organization, it's good for culture. Right. So so then let's contextualize our discussion to their current mindset, the current mindset of that leader being the leader that is in a supervisor position, often referred to as, you know, the frozen middle. They've got responsibilities for direct reports. They have emails and and notifications and nonstop meetings, so many pressures. And then, of course, you compound tension, span, stress, anxiety. What, What are you seeing as the challenges of getting through and getting their attention?
1: Absolutely. I think that a lot of leadership programs, they take an approach of either I ask you to take a week off of work, and I ask you <clears throat> to fly somewhere. <clears throat> Excuse me, I ask you to, you know, take take all of this time off and and concentrate and then you're supposed to take that entire week um, worth of learning, go back and all of a sudden be better. That's not very practical for a lot of people. Um, I think that that model does work when we're, you're trying to infuse industry knowledge. You know, you can you can do concentrated learning that way. But in terms of general management, I think what what a lot of companies are missing is the blending of both internal and external content. Um, and so I see that uh, happen, happen oftentimes in the master's programs that I teach in because those employees You know, they have taken ownership for their career. So they've gone out to get, you know, a Master of Science, an MBA, an Exec MBA, something like that, because that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to learn in a concentrated way. Notice too that most of those Exec MBA programs are off hours. So they're spending their nights, their weekends, really learning and trying to figure out okay, now how do I bring this back into the workplace? So my ideal perfect world is when leadership programs are developed where they are um, chunked out over a period of time, six months a year. and they're a blend of both internal and external content. you know, really good quality external content. What's the labor market like right now? What's happening? What is the what's happening in the eco- economy and the geopolitical environment? taking those things but then blending them with, what do we value at this company? what's our central um, mission? what's our central value? How does that value then come to life? and how do we expect you as a leader to actually behave you know what 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 do the behaviors look like you know for example, as a leader, do I expect you to have a team meeting where you are you know, talking about a current topic in the diversity, equity, inclusion space. You know, there's a really tangible thing that I can infuse into what a leader does and give them tools to equip them, equip them on how to do that.
0: And that does take us into kind of the future state. Let's talk about the the future of people initiatives. And when you think about this as a six months or one year journey, what's the modality? What's the, you know, what's the system? that happens over that time? Do you see that as, as ongoing meetings from an L&D perspective? Do you see them watching videos? What do you see as best practices in communicating with them to activate and sustain the kind of behaviors um, that the organization is looking to to activate?
1: What I see, again, kind of going back to that perfect world, that blending of you know the really good academic, um, research-based, peer-reviewed, evidence-based um, information, but chunking it in a way that isn't a podcast, is in a video, is in an article, so that it's done over time. Um, I also am a huge proponent of executive coaching. Um, I don't think it has to be a big, fancy, drawn-out arrangement. But I think mentoring executive coaching, having someone there that can help you actually apply what you're learning in a setting is also really important you know a lot of organizations are looking towards more concrete programs such as sponsorship um, which is you know a a twist on that same idea it's okay i've i'm having you work through some content some ideas some best practices and then i'm also going to give you the opportunity to sit with someone that you can actually think about how to contextualize that into your environment So I think that for the the average adult learner who easily works a 10 hour workday, you can ask them to do an hour, 15 minutes to an hour of development. I don't think it's realistic that, you know, they're sitting doing five hours of development at the end of a day. But I think it has to be broken down into pieces that can be consumed.
0: And what are the the size of those pieces and, and the frequency? And I'm sure it varies and I'm sure it varies on the type of learning they're on but as we're continuously learning about the the you know evolution of our mi- mindsets based on how we're consuming technology what do you see as the patterns and where do you see them go in terms of the, the duration and the frequency?
1: Yeah, so I, from everything I've read, what I've experimented with in my own career, what I'm currently offering to uh, employee po- populations is I think over time, so a good six-month-to-a-year program so that it's slowly digested, you have an opportunity, but then within that time frame, so whatever it is, six months, a year, could even be three months, then I think that you know, the content needs to be consumed in 15 minute to hour long conversations. And I think it's not just, you, know, you don't just simply ask someone to watch a podcast. I think you ask someone to, or listen to a podcast, they listen to the podcast, then they come to an organized cohort call with people who are in a similar situation to them, where they then discuss the concepts and they talk about, okay, in that podcast, You know, Adam mentioned that we need to be doing this concept. What does that look like for us? So, you know, there is um, some facilitator led training, but there's also the the opportunity to work with one another. What are you seeing in your area? You know, we talked about promotions. How does that work in your area? How are you advocating for your employees? How are you advocating for yourself? You know and having those deeper level conversations and and more of the specific conversations right so there needs to be a place for you first learn and then you digest and so having both of those elements i think is is honestly critical to uh, leadership development efforts
0: this has come up a few times consumption versus digestion Right, it's not just about taking in the content, it's how do you process it. And also, there's an element of community building and and maybe perhaps some reflection. Uh, uh, You know, one saying goes that we learn more from reflection than from the action itself. Fascinating. So so now, now, let's talk about the role of the manager in a learning journey. And again, the audience we're thinking about are the supervisors and for how their journey moves beyond to the next uh, evolution of their career. And uh, how do you see the role of the manager in that journey?
1: I think the role of the manager needs to be the person who directs and supports but doesn't own. Um, if the manager is told, I've seen in some organizations, for example, they'll present a development plan They'll give it to all the managers and they'll say, sit down with your employees and fill this out. You know. um, Ask the employee what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. Ask the employee what they want to do. And the problem with that is that it becomes yet another thing for the manager to do. So, you know, I have all of this work on my plate. I need to process, I need to, you know, work to these service level you know agreements or whatever your metric is in your given field and now you want me to do this now I have to own someone else's career development um, that doesn't seem to be very sustainable um, so I think really what the manager needs to do is use tools like that almost every organization has some type of development plan form or they have a conversation guide or they have something that you know really does, it provides a framework for a conversation. And, and if a manager doesn't have that, you can easily Google and find those conversation guides. But then what I think needs to happen is that the employee needs to own the plan. They need to be the one who sits and, and considers, you know, where, does, where are my strengths? Where do I get the most energy from? And then the manager can say, you know, things like, you know, I really noticed in that last meeting that you were able to really assimilate a lot of the detail. How about if you project manage our next, you know, meeting or our next mini project or something like that? So the manager can provide the employees, but the or provide the opportunities, but the employee needs to own the process. And the employee needs to own the process of asking the questions, which I think is really a struggle for a lot of employees.
0: Fascinating. So really, would you see the role of learning and development function is to equip the learner to with, with all of the tools and the resources so that they can own their own journey and then they check in with their manager based on the right you know, milestones within the journey, maybe gain alignment. But let's unpack that further. I don't think most folks see that as a natural course of event that the learner owns their journey. So if you wouldn't mind, like what is the learning and development functions role within equipping the individual learner?
1: Yeah, great question. You know, I just, I had a, a conversation with someone This week. And, you know, I I could tell that the conversation for her was a little bit uncomfortable because, you know, I do have advanced education. I love school. I've always loved school. Um, But, you know, she she said, I'm just not the kind of person to go back, you know, to school, especially at this stage of my life. And you know what I, I said to her, and I think it surprised her, was I said, I'm the last person to tell you to get another degree because there, you need to do a cost-benefit analysis of that. You know, my, my family went through a lot for me to have the degrees that I have. And so, you know, what I said to her was, you know, um, I'm not going to tell you to get a degree. What I am going to tell you, though, is that I've shown you a lot of the resources that are available for you at this company. For example, many companies offer... Um, memberships or subscriptions to things like Harvard content, LinkedIn Learning, some of those types of resources. And what I said to her was, I-, I expect you to be in those. I expect you to be looking for that content. You know, I'll give you some frameworks. You know, she's she's in one of my development programs. I'll give you the frameworks. I'll give you some places to start. But I want to see you in there. I want to see you problem solving because. You know as she looks above her she sees leaders who have executive MBAs and I said that the real secret to somebody with an ex- executive MBA is that they know where to find things they know how to get to information quickly they know how to get to the good stuff they don't just Google you know they know how to assimilate a lot of information quickly and I said you now have those same tools you know because like any organization we have you know at work we have plenty of things and so, you know, I think she was surprised to learn that, you know, that just because somebody like me has a lot of education, that's not the expectation. The ex- expectation is understanding how to, how to locate and consume knowledge.
0: And it looks like you're, you're asking for initiative. You, you want to see, see the learner step up as opposed to maybe we're becoming a little lazy with how we consume information. It's all delivered to us. Um, And you're seeing for this sign of of going above and beyond.
1: Yeah, I mean, we are truly a TikTok culture. Um, I get it. You know, I I have children in college. I understand the TikTok culture. However, the TikTok culture is not going to get you promoted. Um, What's going to get you promoted is being able to go to your leader and to say, you know, I was considering our next cycle of business planning. I've been doing some reading. I've been doing some thinking. And I'd like to talk talk with you about my ideas for workforce planning, I'd lo- like to talk to you about my ideas for, you know, I- increasing our efficiency or whatever it is, you know, working with a, a sister team. That's where people are going to create opportunities for promotion for themselves.
0: TikTok way of consumption of media is not going to get you promoted. That's exceptionally well said. So the audience that's listening to the podcast are internal change champions. They're looking for ideas and ways how for them to help organization improve performance by activating sustaining behaviors. And uh, as they listen to this podcast and they wonder about the role of the manager and um, the focus on the learner taking the responsibility for their career, what advice would you give them to begin their journey toward creating this type of um initiative within their organization?
1: Yeah, I think that for both the learner and the manager and the change champion, what's in it for them, right? As adults, we don't do anything unless there's a benefit to us. I mean, that's how we're wired. So that's a really short summation of a lot of the neuroscience research that's out there. Adults do things that have benefits for them. And so managers, I think, oftentimes when they get into this process of developing or having conversations with their associates, the really cool thing is that nine times out of ten, they also then get ideas for their business, right? And so these development conversations become mutually beneficial, And so I think what managers, change champions, and associates all need to understand is what's the benefit for me? You know, as an associate, the benefit for you is development. The benefit for you is promotions. Same for managers and for change champion. The benefit is we know all the research tells us that. Diverse teams outperform other teams, and, and when I say that i don 't mean just diversity of race or gender things like that. I mean diversity of thought right So if diverse teams outperform, how do you get diversity going? You have conversations, you talk with anybody and everybody, you gather ideas, you read you know whatever whatever kind of information you like to read, for example you know, my team just finished um, as a team, we read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, four or five ideas came out of that team out of that book, not only for us personally, but as a team, you know, of things that we wanted to enhance with our own project management. And so, you know, the benefit to these conversations is ideas and the benefit for those ideas is that everyone wins in the end we all get development opportunities we perform better and we all then have the chance to be promoted
0: great book atomic habit and a clearance clear clear sign of or or clear path toward what's in it for me at every level it makes sense it's instinctive to to our nature um great conversation I appreciate you taking the time to to join us. And I look forward to having you on again.
1: Thank you, Adam. Had a great time.